Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who's a Black American who sadly lost their life to COVID-19. I was inspired by Zora Neale Hurston, the anthropologist and author, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums such as the Smithsonian Museum of African-American history and culture. I'll share a little bit about me and my family before I introduce my guest today. I'm a Black American. My dad was African-American and Indigenous American. My mother is Jamaican-American. I'm a fourth-generation teacher. My mom is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York City for 20 years. And my great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica in the late 1800s up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. And she stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a woman to work after she got married back then. Ironically, my mom began working long after she got married in the late 1900s, either the 1980s or 1990s. So without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest, Quincy Evans, who I know from the nonprofit program Prep for Prep. Both Quincy and I were in Prep 9. Prep 9 is a rigorous academic program that is a part of Prep for Prep. Prep for Prep sends students of color to schools in New York City, and Prep 9 sends students of color to boarding school. I attended the Taft School in Connecticut, and Quincy attended Phillips Academy Andover. So hi, um, please say your name and where you're from. My name is Quincy Evans, and I was born and raised in the Bronx. And I currently live in Long Island, New York. And do you identify as Black or African-American or Caribbean-American? Uh, black, African-American, you know, non-Caribbean, non-African, non-Hispanic. Thank you. And can you share what your experience was like living and working during the pandemic in 2020 and 2021? Perfect. So, you know, I work for a financial institution where, to be honest, the pandemic was pretty manageable. You know, we had a technology architecture that uh, allowed us to work remotely pretty easily. Um, and even when things opened up, we now kind of have a hybrid work structure where, you know, there's a lot of understanding from people that this is just a new way of doing things. 
So, you know, we have Zoom, we have Teams, we have all these tools to be productive while being remote. And I think the company realizes like that was required for, you know, the general health of everybody's mental state during a pretty challenging time. And so prior to the pandemic, did you have the option to work from home or were you completely in the office? So we had the ability to work from home, but it wasn't really utilized or sort of accepted except for, you know, when people had medical appointments or things like that. Post-pandemic or during the pandemic, people realized that when people actually have the ability to be more productive if you allow them to work from home and kind of maintain their mental health. And so I think that's kind of now what companies appreciate and don't want to sort of give up. That's what I've been reading. So now do you have an option to like be in the office a few days a week and be at home? Or do you have a personal personal preference? So my, my personal expectation is basically three to four days in the office. Uh, some of the jobs have to be in the office every day. Um, but most people are operating with a three to four day kind of in the office expectation. And nobody is forced, meaning, you know, people who've had children or have, you know, the wife, you know, is undergoing breast cancer treatment or something like people have the ability to just, you know, do what makes the most sense for them. Wow, that's good. It's a small company too. So, yeah, I think, you know, we understand that you know, it's like one solution doesn't fit all, you know? Mm-hmm. And then in terms of living during the pandemic, did you go grocery shopping or did you order groceries? You know, it's funny. So I didn't start using these delivery services until kind of the end of the pandemic, you know? <laughs> um, we, you know, we used to do everything going into stores. Um, I will note that for me personally, one of the things I'll never forget about the pandemic was how hard everyday regular things became, you know? So. Oh, like what? Do you mean like having to wear a mask or wait in line to go to the store? Yeah, just, you know, it, it's funny. I'm one of these people that I don't mind wearing a mask everywhere I go. Um, I, I just felt like for a period of time, the best way to describe it is, you know, you used to kind of just for me, shopping and like doing some things, like getting gas, like very cathartic, you know, kind of like people have to try and, their, try and find their own personal time and space, you know? Yeah. For me, it was like, 
it was that kind of stuff. And what I found during the pandemics, what was actually really stressful for me is that downtime was no longer downtime for me, you know? So like going to walk around Target, looking for like deodorant used to be like cathartic. Right. It became like a giant hassle because, you know, you had stress. And one of my colleagues actually said, you know, one of the one of the main sources of stress for people was the fact that a lot of little things in people's lives that they use to kind of decompress, you couldn't do that anymore. Mm. You know, so like as a as a commuter to New York every day in the suburbs, you know, one of the examples I give is there's a lot of interactions you used to have with people on the train. You used to see the same people, you know, the commuter rail. You used to talk to your newsstand guy every day. You used to go to the dry cleaner twice a week. You know, a lot of those intermittent interactions mm-hmm. evaporated, you know? And, and with that, to be honest, some of those were actually friendships, oh. you know? And, you know, that's the part that I think, for me, I've had a relatively easy pandemic, mm-hmm. but, you know, I still feel like I've been impacted, you know, because there are a lot of relationships you used to have with people you just don't have anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's kind of one big thing I would identify as, as a significant difference, you know? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, the commute. Well, it's just that, like, even, like, there's a couple articles that have been written about it, like, basically the type of, like, these are kind of relationships people don't even realize they have or didn't realize they had until they were gone, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and that's sort of been a sense of loneliness for a lot of people, you know, like who, you know, I have a family, I have a spouse and kids I see every day, but you know, some people I know didn't see anybody for like over a year, mm-hmm. depending on their living situation, you know? Um, that's the kind of thing I've noticed has been really impactful, even in my, my kind of, relatively easy situation you know yeah and do you can you share um how did your kids like going to school online or do they not like it Uh, that was just a mess like i I feel like fortunately in long island it was only remote in 2020 uh 2021 or the 2020-21 school year was actually in person. Oh. Um, which, in hindsight, although it was a lot of anxiety for us, mm-hmm. that was the completely right decision. Mm. You know? Um, and I'm glad, because I feel like kids in the city who were remote for the 2021 school year, 
that that was basically a law school year. Yeah. You know. That's what I've heard. And there's, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, not only academically, but also when you talk to educators now, you know, the level of anxiety, hostility, violence, you know, all these things, kids basically don't have an ability to manage emotionally the way they have. Mm because there's like a two year gap in that development process, you know? Yes, yeah. Wow, so did your kids say like they miss their friends and they miss going to school? Well, for the, for the spring that they were home, right? So basically March, 2020, you know, they, quickly got frustrated, you know, um, because they don't, they didn't understand like what they were dealing with. They just know they couldn't go anywhere or do anything, you know? Yeah. Um, so can you uh, just hold one second, just cause I'm gonna be in the elevator for a second. Yeah, thank you. Can you hear me again? Yeah, Quincy, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else to share before we... Oh, so so I was just going to say with regard to the question about children, you know, I think children are very resilient and this pandemic has in some ways made them more resilient, Hmm. even though people talk about the mental health implications of this environment, I do think, you know, when I look at my own children, I actually don't think, since they didn't have a lot of time where they were doing remote school and things, like the only thing they really had to get used to was wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's actually helped their ability to how do you say, kind of adjust to different circumstances and environments, Oh, you know, without making such a big deal, you know, because you remember children are, they don't really know what the standard is, right? Right. When they're, you know, so it's just like the last couple of years, you know, became a standard. It became such a standard that now it's kind of complicated because everyone wants to take their mask off and there's no more mask mandates you know they're kind of like the rule followers who who are like uh, i don't mind wearing a mask i'll keep it on kind of thing mm-hmm. you know so you know i think in that sense it, in some ways it's a silver lining you know um yeah but i've I'm speaking from a very narrow, specific perspective of like, I live in the burbs. We have a lot of space. We have outdoor space. You know, kids, my kids haven't really missed as much as some other children in different settings, Mm -hmm. to be honest, you know? Yeah. You're reminding me, I have a cousin in 
in the suburbs of London. I forgot what neighborhood, but they he and his wife had a backyard, so they they were also able to have their kids play in the backyard during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean it's been it, it's really highlighted how people's living situations how tenuous they could be, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously we see the fatality rates in cities like New York early in the pandemic is largely a function of people's living situations, you know, yeah. where People weren't able to quarantine and hold households got sick. And, you know, we saw what happened. So, you know, I didn't have to deal with any of that, to be honest, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, people who are like, I think about my childhood, like if I had to do remote school when I shared a bedroom with my older brother and I had, if, if both my parents were working from home, living in a two-bedroom apartment, like we wouldn't have all been able to do what we were supposed to be doing in that living setup, you know? And that's how a lot of people had to manage through the pandemic, you know? You're so right. Because I remember teaching two siblings in a class and I could hear the sibling, they were both on separate ends of the couch and I could hear one sibling in their other class, but they had nowhere else to go in the apartment. Like, that was it. You didn't have anywhere else to go. Like, not everyone has, like, you know, people are like, oh, just get headphones, right? AirPods cost 200 bucks. Beats headphones cost 170 bucks, 200 bucks, 300 in some cases, you know? So, like, it really exposed the sort of have versus the have nots, mm-hmm. you know? Not every household had internet access okay. in the city. You know, if you had access, you didn't have a device, you know. Um, and that's one thing, like, you you realize uh, you just take for granted. Like, I remember when the pandemic hit, I bought my kids Chromebooks, like, off mm-hmm. of Groupon, you know, mm-hmm. like, in January 2020. And then all of a sudden, there were no Chromebooks left because everyone needed to buy a Chromebook to do school from home, you know? Like, people, like, I had that luxury that other people don't have to buy whatever I want, like, quickly, you know? Within reason, you know? Right, right. Um, so, that, that's the kind of thing, like, the, and it's funny because that inequality kind of, usually inequality in America is kind of, it, 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 it's, it's racial lines is kind of one of the lines that dictates a lot of it, but mm-hmm. the pandemic was one situation that actually broke a lot of that down, you know? Yes. It's like, if you were poor in America, like you were screwed like the same way, you know, now, some people are less poor than others, but you know, the pandemic didn't really discriminate, even though it, did discriminate <laughs> you know yeah i remember they saying stay at home work from home and a lot of people are like delivery people they can't work from home so, well yeah. that was the thing like and that's the thing about you know new york is a very easy microcosm of all of this because you know you basically have a city 
that is staffed by, you know, people of color and most service industries in the city, serving people who either live really well in the city or don't live in the city. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that ecosystem completely broke down. You know, one of my good friends was a bartender slash waitress in one of these, you know, office bars. So it was like a, it was a restaurant in a pretty big office building, Hmm. you know, she made great money, you know, because a bunch of finance, you know, law type people going to every day, going to grab drinks, dinner, you know, she lived in the Bronx in my mom's neighborhood and everything her life was just blown up, you know? And, you know, New York is full of that kind of people basically making a lot of money off the books type economy, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, waitresses and stuff, you know, you know, their salaries are nothing, but they're, you know, she would make several hundred bucks a day in tips. And that, when that goes to zero, like your life is upside down, you know? Yeah. So those are the people, that's where I think the suffering has been really severe. Um, And, you know, I think it's going to be a long time for all of these communities to recover from that because you've, at the same time, you've had a lot of loss of life. You've had a lot of loss of livelihood, you know, um, people have had to redefine their own career aspirations, right? They've had to reinvent themselves, you know, mm-hmm. we, we haven't had that challenge to be honest. That's true. Like I interviewed a woman who's an event, event producer and yep. she said once the pandemic started, there were no events. And so she like pivoted to online, like virtual events and and clubhouse, but she has an MBA, so she's able to strategize. Um, So again, that speaks to education in class. Yeah, and and flexibility, right? The pandemic showed that education class, all that provides insurance for people and what's insurance? Insurance is something that benefits you when shit blows up, <laughs> you know? So. Wow. Thanks for bringing that up. That's something no it's a good thing to think about. Well, no problem at all. Thank you for your time, Quincy. Um, my okay. goal is once all the recordings are in the Smithsonian, hopefully sometime in the future, we can all get together and meet each other and, and talk. Um, yeah, you have my text, you have my email. Feel free to just keep in touch. Let me know. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Quincy Evans, who I still remember from Prep 9 back when I was in the program in 19. 19- 93, and then I went to boarding school in 1994, and he was a year ahead of me. My name is Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is my oral history project, Black America and COVID. Thank you.